Let me ask you a question. When you hear reading centers, literacy workstations, writing centers, what do you think about? You're probably thinking that these are key buzzwords for kindergarten, first grade, and second grade classrooms, and they are. But I am here to tell you that using these types of centers for big kids is the way to go. Somehow, the whole idea about using centers for third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, once you're in that testing realm, was just something that you just don't do anymore. But I have never abandoned using centers with my upper elementary kids. They have actually thrived by using centers in these third, fourth, and fifth grade classrooms. And I want to share that with you today. So it's really important to make sure that you are being intentional with these centers, but we're going to go into the do's and the don'ts with getting your centers up and running. And there's no time like now, especially during testing season that we're about to embark upon. There are going to be so many opportunities for your students to get the practice that they need. You're going to realize that you actually have more time than you thought to teach and to reteach different key skills. Of course, the goal is going to be for our students to become so independent that we don't have to be there right alongside them for them to get a task done. And instead, we will be able to be doing the hard work that we have to do as a teacher with our different small groups and strategy groups. So today, we are diving into using centers for big kids. If you are ready to hear about this topic, I will meet you inside. You are listening to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. Learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. With a passion for literacy and supporting teachers, here's your host, Megan Polk from Miss P's Style. Welcome back to another episode of the Literacy Dive podcast. I am so happy that you are listening in today. I have a topic for you about this idea of using centers specifically for reading for big kids. And when I say big kids, I'm just referencing third grade, fourth grade, and fifth grade students that are the older kids of elementary school. Now, I have told you before that I've taught every grade in elementary school, but I started my teaching career teaching kindergarten. After kindergarten, I hopped up to second grade, and then I hopped up to fourth grade. So I did the K, second, to fourth grade jump. So as you know, in kindergarten, the day is filled with centers for all of the different content areas that you're teaching. When I went to second grade, it was pretty much similar than that. They were a lot older, we could do a lot more, but for the most part, we were still doing stations and works, uh, workstations and centers for everything that we were doing in the day. When I moved to fourth grade, it was like a whole different world where it was almost like the routine workstation choice board style of the day that I was used to was like no longer a thing. And so going to fourth grade was very eye-opening because where it's really not acceptable to do workstations, I actually loved doing it. I started the year not doing them at all, and then eventually 
I had to work those centers back in however I could, and I could not believe how my students were achieving and how they were just excited to be able to do centers in these upper elementary classrooms. So that is what we're going to be chatting about today, and I am so excited about this topic. Now, once again, the whole idea of why teachers would use centers is so that the teacher could be doing something structured with a small group or one-on-one with students, and all of the other students are actively engaged in a task or two or three, and that allows the teacher to not have to be with those students doing a lesson with them. They can be using their energy and focus on a different group of students. So the goal is for your students to become very, very independent to where you do not have to redirect them, you do not have to be beside them, you do not have to give a lot of corrections. But again, this is going to take a lot of planning and modeling up front, but we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But that is our goal for even using centers to begin with. So there are four main reasons that I love using centers with big kids. The first reason, you are in control. You know what your kids need. You know what your kids struggles with. You know what your students are having the hardest time with learning. And so because you know exactly what your students need, you are in control of making sure that you can provide so many opportunities for your students to practice and you can make sure that those specific skills make it into your centers. Also, This is a great place where you can be able to think about that whole plan ahead notion. You can think about what seasons are coming up, what months are coming up, what special times of year are coming up. You can be able to batch all of your planning for your centers ahead of time, and that's going to save you a lot of time as you are actively teaching throughout the months of the school year. So you are able to plan ahead with this. So if you're a planner... This is going to be great for you to save some extra time. But the biggest idea here is that you are in control. There is no one telling you you have to use this activity on this day for this week. You get to make up the activities. You get to include the practice wherever you see is fit for your students. So don't forget that. You are in control. Number two. I love using these centers because this is a time for intentional practice. This is going to give the time that you couldn't find to teach a skill over. You now have that time during your centers. This intentional practice is not about just filling time while you're working with other students. It's not supposed to be just 20 minutes and do whatever you want. You need to really think about what you're putting into your centers. But I always like to think about what is it that I really want to teach? What do I feel like I don't have time to reteach? And how can I put that practice into that center for my students? By using this intentional practice, it is giving your students several opportunities to revisit any past skills that they are either still having a little bit of trouble with or that you just want to make sure that it's staying fresh and that you're remembering all of the different components to that skill. But it's also a place where you can venture into those present skills that you're just newly teaching and giving your students a little bit more exposure that way. The third reason that I love using centers is for the consistency. 
Using literacy centers or workstations, whatever you like to call it, brings consistency to your day. That your students are going to thrive from consistency anyway. No matter what that is in your day, they know what to do when there is a routine. They know how they feel when there's a routine. And it's a nice flow in your day when there is a routine. So if you have a time of the day where you can implement these literacy centers, you are going to be bringing consistency to the lives of your students. This is a time for them to look forward to. I can recall from kindergarten all the way up to fourth grade, my students always looking at the clock or looking at our little time uh, schedule cards, trying to see when it was time for workstations. So your big kids love it. And using these centers consistently also is going to save you time from trying to fill that part of your day with whatever activity it is that you're trying to fill it with. So if you know that this is a part of your day, you know that this is going to contain X amount of activities for your students, then it's done. It's ready to go and it's great for your students. And the last reason that I love using centers is for that social component. It really promotes socialization with other kids, and that connection is big across elementary, not just for kindergarten through second grade students. Now, it's really important to recognize big kids are still kids, and I think that sometimes we want to grow our students up so fast, but we forget that these students love a good picture book. They love working with their with their friends. They love looking at a pocket chart and following a little schedule to see where they can go for the freedom of the center. So don't forget that big kids are still kids. Now, I do know that the social component does look a little bit different nowadays, but this social component, it still separates them from doing what we would call the busy seat work. So it allows them to move. It allows them to have free choice. It allows them to have a little bit more freedom that they would not have otherwise. As we all know, when you give kids a choice, they perform better, they behave better, and they engage better. Selecting the choices for your centers. You might be wondering, okay, I think I want to try this whole literacy center workstation idea for my upper elementary kids, but how do I select what to even put inside of it? So I'm going to give you a few things that I have always thought about in the past about how I select what goes into those centers for my students. The first way that you can figure out what to put in there is by looking at your data. Figure out what do your students need? Are they having a hard time with main idea? Are they not understanding all of the ways that they could be able to solve that unknown word and they need to work on context clues? Are your your students maybe not really distinguishing between fact and opinion? Figure out what it is that your students are struggling with as a majority. And those are going to be things that you will put into your centers. You can also look at the content standards or your pacing guide to see what is coming up or what are some past skills that my students should know at this time, but they still just need a little bit more practice. Think about what you have to teach. What are you responsible for teaching? That is going to be a great place to start when thinking about what to put into your centers. I know that as a teacher, you're probably thinking, I always feel so rushed. I feel like I don't have enough time. 
And so by having this block of time where students could explore with these different types of center activities, you are getting that practice in. Although it's not with you doing it with them, they are still getting exposure to it. And this is exactly what we want them to do. So start with looking at the data, start with looking at your content standards, start with looking at your district pacing guide, start with thinking about what it is that you have to teach, what you're responsible for making sure that they know, and those are going to be the different types of skill activities you will put into your centers. Also, think about what your students enjoy. Take a poll, ask them what they enjoy in reading, what they enjoy in writing, Do they like matching sorts? Do they like partner work? Do they like to use highlighters or different types of pens? If you know what your students enjoy, then it is really simple to put a little short mini passage into a sheet protector, give them some highlighters and tell them to highlight to find the main idea and highlight with a different color to find the supporting details. Now you're allowing your students to have the opportunity to read, which is processing and comprehending that level of text, and then they're doing an activity, which is what you want them to do, finding that skill, finding the main idea, finding the details, and they're able to use something that they enjoy, like the highlighters or like the fun pens. And so if you're able to give these types of activities to your students, It's the same thing that you would do with a paper pencil, let's say, but because they enjoy it, they're going to perform better. Maybe they like moving things around like games. So then you can be able to cut apart a passage or you could be able to use sentences, break it apart on little pieces of sticky notes or index cards and let them manipulate to be able to determine whatever skill it is that you want. So think about ways that you can be able to turn learning into a game, that you can bring in some different elements of tools that they like and enjoy, and that is what you would put into your centers. The last big tip that I want to give you about how to select your center activities is to think evergreen. If you think evergreen, this is something that can stay all year round. I am going to tell you firsthand that when I was teaching in the lower grades and having to think about changing out centers every week, that is exhausting. So if you can keep your center as evergreen as possible, thinking about what can stay all year and you don't have to change it out, that is going to become your best friend. Some ideas to this on the more simpler scale are like read to self or having a technology station where your students can listen to books on Epic, or they can be able to listen to Brain Pop, or something that you want them to read a passage off the internet. Um, Maybe it's like a respond to reading center, where they're always going to be able to choose a response activity. And I will keep a few options that they can always access for response activities. And I'll share some links with you in the show notes to those. But think about um, buddy reading. If you're able to do some style of buddy reading now, that was always a staple on my workstations too. Then you can put in a couple of activities that might change out in terms of the topic, like if you have a passage area, like a passage center, but for the big idea, it's just going to be the passage center. So what you want to do is think about what can stay all year, what do you really not have to prep that students can be able to see it and they can be able to do their own task 
independently, and that's less for you to have to actually prep. So that is what I mean by thinking about evergreen centers, and it's still free choice, but it's nothing that you have to necessarily prep. So really pay attention to your students. When you're doing read-alouds, when you're doing guided reading, when you are just having conversations with your kids, think about just recognizing what it is that they like. What do they enjoy? Use your data to help guide you. And then think about what can you include that you don't have to change often, but your students can still have a great time in learning within these centers. So now we get into how to manage these centers. Like all things, anything to help with making this flow is worth doing, no matter how much time it takes. So when you think about that, the first thing that's a given is to model. This is where you have to explicitly show what this center looks like. Maybe it's a new activity, so you definitely want to use one of your mini lessons even to show that activity, to be able to do it, talk about it, model it for your students so that they can see what the product should look like at the end, and they can know what they're responsible for doing when they get to that center. I like to take it a step farther and have check-ins to get student feedback. So even though I say that I want this center to go this way, I ultimately want to see how the students feel about it. So also take some time to ask them like, so everybody, you know, we've gone through one week. Everyone has been in this passage center. What did you love about it? And hear what they have to say. Then the biggest feedback question is, what do you wish that you could have in the center? Or what do you wish that you could change with this center? And listen to them. As long as it's safe and appropriate, then give it a try. Give them what they want. Every single year, I've had different classes over the years ask for different things. And so your centers are going to look different based on the students that you have, but listen to them and get their feedback to make the centers better and smoother so that you don't have to be with them when they are doing their centers. So the second part to that is you can use your kids to model and discuss it. I loved doing that for um, any types of mini lessons when we're trying to show how something should look like. Let them role play. So that is where you might all go to the outside of wherever that center is, and you're going to let a few um, students show you what that center should look like, what it should sound like, and then you can have a quick discussion about it. So that is a great way to get your students involved with helping to know the expectations in a center. And then you can also answer any clarifying questions that other kids will have. Something that I love doing is spending time in centers with the kids, especially if it's new. So if you are just rolling out centers as you're coming into testing season, you've never done this before, but you're recognizing, I need my time to pull some strategy groups and pull some small groups, and I really need my time back so I can be able to teach these students who have some deficits and who haven't mastered this skill, and I need everybody else to be doing something without me. This is a perfect thing to implement. But you might need to take a week to say, maybe this week, I'm not pulling a strategy group. I need to be on the floor. I need to be at the desks. I need to be circulating the room with my students to make sure that what I'm seeing is what I'm expecting, and that's what they're going to be doing when I'm not with them. This is a great time to connect with them, to see how they're doing, to check in with them in real time. 
You can also correct any behaviors that you don't want to see, or you can correct anything that um, you see that they might have understood you to say, but you really didn't mean it that way. So I love taking about a week just to see how things are running to get the flow going before I release them on their own. If you can create posters describing the quantity, expectations, and instructions, that is always helpful. Um, Especially if it's a new center that does have steps, you can do it very simply on Word by writing out steps one, two, three. First, take out the passage. Second, get two color highlighters. Third, you're going to read the passage. You're going to highlight the main idea in yellow and the details in pink. Something very simple. So if you have anything that needs instructions, I think it's always worth it to go ahead and write those instructions out and make sure that it's visible. Maybe it's a place on the board that you can hang it, or maybe you can get one of those clear photo frames from the Dollar Tree to stick in your instructions and have it sitting wherever the students can be able to work. So using posters or anchor charts to be able to help remind students what they should sound like and what they should be doing is a very helpful visual, and it helps to keep the structure going while you are not with them and you're working with other groups. So the way to manage is to decide on the centers you want, model the centers, have kids model and discuss it, spend time in the centers with your students, and then make sure that there's posters or anchor charts to help remind your students of their expectation in case they are to forget. (laughs) So now I'm going to go over just a couple of things as I was reflecting over the last five or six years about what centers looked like. I want to share a few things that my centers did include that my students have loved. The first thing is adding creative elements. This is where you can add colorful paper, you can add cardstock, you can add pens, highlighters, you can add mechanical pencils, whatever it is to keep your students engaged and excited about getting to that station. This is a time where I really don't mind if they are using something that I typically would not have them use for a structured narrative or a structured test that we're taking. But during this station time, give them some choices of creative things for them to look forward to and to make that connection with when they get to that center. Also, I have used rotation boards in the in the past. Mine would be very simple. I know that there are a ton of digital rotation boards, but for the longest time, I actually did not have a smart board in my classroom, so that did not work for me to use anything digital. So I have always kept the standard pocket chart where I would have picture icons. You do not have to have any types of beautiful icons. Now, you can definitely find some images that would connect with whatever that station is. And those images are just, again, a visual reminder with the station name for your students to know where to go. But you could also write these stations out on colorful index cards or cut up cardstock. So you don't have to get super fancy with this. Your students just have to know how to use it. So again, I loved using a standard pocket chart. I would use icon pictures and words on cardstock pieces of paper, little squares. And then on the very top, I would have color coded by colorful index cards with the students' names. And what would rotate is the names. They would go to the right. 
not the activities going down vertically, but I would just shift over the names every single day so that students were able to be in a different set of rotation centers or in a different order each day. The third thing that I have done before is to use a timer or music to help signal students. Now, I don't always have to do this, but there have been some classes that I've had where they just do really well with that auditory timer sound or the music that lets them know, oh, it's time for me to clean up and change to the next center. So if you are doing a rotating center where your kids are going through two or three or even four activities in the in the day that in the time that you have then you definitely might want to think about a timer or music to help them to shift. You could say when you finish this task then you're going to move on, but sometimes students pace will be off. You'll find that they're still on the same task and haven't gotten anything done. So, by having that timer, it kind of holds them accountable with knowing their pace. Um, So something else to be opposite of that is that you might only want to offer one station and one choice per day. So it wouldn't really be self-rotating. It would just be the activity of the day for that group. And so again, they're not necessarily working um, alongside each other. They could be at their seats or working separately. But if you only have one station, then you really don't have to have the timer, the music, or worry about students moving themselves. So that's kind of a personal preference for you to try out and figure out what is best for your group. As always, if you can find times for kids to work together, maybe with one partner, um, even if it is social distantly, if they're able to do something alongside each other, that is really, really great for the whole social component of making this fun. And if you know that they're working with a buddy or reading to a friend or something to that nature, then you're going to have less disruptions. You're going to have less students off task, and you're going to be able to successfully be teaching your small group while your other students are working independently. I hope that you can get centers into your classroom, even if it's just for the testing season, to give your students that extra practice, that extra intentional practice, remembering that you're in control of what you want to put in those centers for your students to grow. Remember that that consistency piece is so big for students. They thrive off of consistency and they really look forward to center or station time. And that social component is key. I will do anything to allow my students to have social time with each other or just that time where they can be able to release from the main structure of the day and do some things that they enjoy. Don't forget that you can be able to use your data, use your content standards, use your pacing guide, use the things that you know that you have to teach to help guide what you're putting into your centers. Think about what your kids enjoy. Give them a poll. Ask them what do they want. And if it's feasible, give them what they want so that you know that your stations are going to be in control. And think about evergreen centers. Don't get too fancy. Think about things that you do not have to prep. Think about things that can stay all year long and it's going to be the same week to week. They will just have different components within that category. And then for management, think about remembering to model, model, model. Have your students model, spend time in those centers, watch those centers, ask questions, redirect and correct. And if possible, try to put a poster or an anchor chart in those centers to help give them those visual reminders 
Because you're not going to be available to answer student questions, you're going to be busy in your small groups. Get creative. Give them creative utensils and tools that they can be able to use in their centers. Think about using a rotation board or a way that they can be able to self-manage themselves. And think about if you want to offer just one activity or multiple. And if so, think about using a timer or music to help them transition. If you try out using centers, I would love to know about it, especially if this is your first time. If you have been using centers and there is something that's just not going right in your centers, I'd love to know about that too so we can help brainstorm how you can get your centers up and running and as strong as they can be. So be sure to go ahead and reach out to me on Instagram or you can even send me an email if you have any questions about centers. And I hope that you get those centers up and running for your big kids. As always, I am so grateful for your ratings and for your reviews of this podcast, so please take a moment to do so if you have not already. Until then, I will talk with you next week. Thank you for listening to The Literacy Dive. If you would like to connect with Megan, you can find her on Instagram at Miss Peace Style. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes of The Literacy Dive. Until next time.